I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Monday morning where the Eagles still find themselves in first place uh, at 3-5-1, but who really cares? I mean, let's let's be honest. It, it doesn't really matter. Uh, this team, fine. You get to the playoffs, great. You're going to get smoked by Brady and the Bucks or um, McVay and the Rams, whoever you play in the first round. You're not beaten. So um, it, it really is uh, irrelevant whether this team makes playoffs or not. The rest of this season is about who stays and who goes. And there is nobody safe. Nobody. Um, because uh, I mentioned earlier, I'm so tired of hearing about 2017. 2017 is ancient history. In the NFL, three years is a long time. Um, you know, the, 2018, 2019, 2020, that's essentially a whole, like, Chip Kelly tenure. That That's a long time in NFL years. And based off Howie and Doug and Carson Wentz's recent performances, Jim Schwartz as well, none of them deserve to be back. None of them should feel secure in their spots. Uh, with this organization. And yeah, we'll always be appreciative of what they did, but that doesn't guarantee you a lifetime job. That doesn't guarantee you anything. And uh, they should all be on the hot seat right now. And we'll get back to the phones in just one second there, uh, Art. Uh, but I did want to play you a couple sound, uh, a couple pieces of sound real quick, because when you talk about Doug, I think Doug Peterson is in a lot of ways in denial with this team right now. And doesn't have a good finger on the pulse of this football team. And it's pretty clear when you come out of a bye week, two weeks to get ready for a 2-7 and putrid New York Giants team. And you put out that kind of stinker. Uh, Because Doug clearly didn't, you know, see this performance coming. Here's Doug uh, talking about um, how it was kind of hard to explain what happened on Sunday. It's hard to explain because you go into the game feeling really good. Uh, guys, were you know we're getting some guys back. Guys feel feel fresh and ready, and uh, had a good week of preparation. And you know, um, we just we listen. It, it it came down to execution. It came down to you know some some decision making on my part. I mean, it's, we all had a hand in this one, and uh, it had nothing to do with uh, effort intensity. It had nothing to do with that. Well, first of all, I'll disagree that it didn't have anything to do with effort and intensity. I mean, your defense comes on the field after two weeks off, and they let Daniel Jones just just go right down the field and dice him up. I mean, the defense looked terrible in that first drive. Uh, so I didn't think the effort was great to start that game. The Eagles came out flat, and I, I, I should have uh, gotten this clip in there. I don't think I got it, but Doug at one point mentioned the lack of fans you know, and kind of insinuated, or maybe I, I inferred this, that um, that that kind of maybe was a negative for the Eagles' energy. That's the first time I've ever heard anything like that. That, you know, the other team not being able to have fans was a negative for the Eagles. Um, I, don't, I don't get that one, Doug. And obviously your team didn't have the proper amount of energy. Obviously the week of preparation that you thought uh, was so great was not. That team wasn't prepared to play. They weren't prepared on either side of the ball. Defense, offense, and special teams. I can't remember a worse special teams performance from an Eagles team than we saw on Sunday. Uh, Whether it's not fielding punts, stupid penalties, that team wasn't ready to play. Um, And, you know, here's some more from Doug uh, talking about 
the guys in that locker room and how they're you know upset with what happened on Sunday. I think it takes everybody. I think it takes intensity in practice. I think it takes you know everybody uh, being on the same page. I think there's a there's a work ethic that uh, you know to to, to uh, it's a pride thing. I think with the guys to just as as a team, you know, to just say enough's enough. And listen, I, I know we've been plagued with a lot of injuries, and you know uh, it's been a, been a part of our season so far. But um, there's still a lot of pride left in that locker room, and guys are guys are mad. Guys are upset. I'm 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 mad. You know that. Uh, um, you know, we lost this game today, but uh, we got you know a great opportunity next week to to get it fixed. Now, I mean, okay, Doug, great. I mean, I'm interested to see what he says when he comes on with Angelo at 8 a.m. because Doug always seems to strike a very positive and optimistic tune on Monday mornings. Um, I don't think that's going to play. I can guarantee you that's not going to play well this week. Nobody wants optimism from Doug uh, today, and you know, this is a problem with Doug Peterson and has been for a while where he doesn't have a finger on the pulse of this team when it's clear to everybody else that there are problems, you know, and it was an issue last year where he didn't wake up until the Eagles went down to Miami and got smacked around and ended up falling a five and seven that Doug finally was like, okay, well, yeah, this team has problems and, and, and we got to wake some people up. Uh, it shouldn't have taken what happened on Sunday for Doug Peterson to get to this point. He should have seen this through the first eight games, the first half of the season, when your team's been terrible the first half of the season, when Doug's talking about, oh, we're in the, we're in first place in the NFC East, that's where we want to be. Uh, that, that means nothing. Everybody knows being first place in this division is meaningless. And, you know, there were plenty of warning signs leading up to this game that this kind of thing was going to happen. It's why I... I picked the Eagles this week, but very hesitantly. I didn't feel comfortable that they were going to come out and play a good football game. I mean, why would you? We all saw it. Except Doug didn't. You know, Doug didn't seem to read these warning signs that we all read following the Dallas game. And I went back uh, to some of what Doug said after the Cowboys game. And here was the tune that he was striking right after that win over Ben DiNucci uh, two weeks ago. I'm sorry, but that's not true. (laughs) Like, a win is not a win. When you beat Ben DiNucci, and you struggle to beat Ben DiNucci, a guy who is, I I will tell you right now, I predict right now, Ben DiNucci will never take another NFL snap, ever. That was the one game he'll play, he'll never play in this league again. Cowboys have already gotten rid of him, essentially. So when Doug says um, two weeks ago, a win's a win, and striking an optimistic tune, he's ignoring all the warning signs that we had been seeing. He's ignoring it's right in front of his face that that wasn't a good performance two weeks ago against Dallas. That's not anything you should be proud of. If you're truly a contending team, and you truly feel like your team uh, can make some sort of a run, you're not uh, exulting and celebrating a close win over Ben DiNucci and the lowly Dallas Cowboys. So, you know, we all saw this kind of thing coming on Sunday. But Doug was so blindsided by it. Doug was so shocked that his team would come out and play poorly when they played poorly the first eight games of the season. He doesn't have his finger on the pulse of this team. And, um... That, that that's that's a major problem. And it's a real indictment of him as a head coach because um as a head coach in this league, that that's that's your top priority. Beyond play calling, any of that other stuff, you need to have your team ready to go from a game plan standpoint and from an emotional standpoint. And the Eagles weren't ready in any regard on Sunday. Uh let's go to Art in the Northeast. What's up, Art? Hey Tom. Listen, if I didn't know any better, if I Closed my eyes and didn't hear that voice. I would think I was listening to Gabe Kapler. <laughs> With Doug, yeah, you know what, yeah. Art? There is some, there is some Gabe in that. Especially the the win is a win after the Cowboys game. I the win I, is a win. I, yeah, and, and everybody's fired up and mad. And uh, believe me, I've heard that before. And yeah, that's Art. The mark of a loser. That's but, a good. Um, that's a good point. If I were to uh, 
form the the or, or, or zero in on the ire I have, and it's with the, it's with everybody. That they they all deserve a hand in this, but um, I've been a proponent of uh, of getting rid of Schwartz for so long now. And you know what? It's not the amount of points you give up in a game or that you bend and don't break or any of that, but it's what you said before. It's right after you score and make the game close. If there's ever a time to stop a team, it's right then and there. And I've yet to see a Schwartz defense, or I won't say I've yet to see it, but too many times I've not seen it do that. And that happened twice in this game when the Eagles came close. The very next series, the Giants marched down the field like it was nobody's business. I mean, without any any uh, resistance from that defense at all, and I'm sorry, this will take me to Roseman. There's a guy another guy that I have a lot of ire for that I think should have, should have been out of here uh, with the, all the mistakes he's made. And believe me, this slay is, is, is nothing either. But with all the other mistakes he's made and that smirk, that constant smirk, like he's something great or he's done something great on his face because by accident a few years ago, he pulled in the, the guy, the running back from Miami, Jay Ajay, which probably is, is the best thing he ever did, but I, I call that more of an accident. But everything else he's done, from his draft choices to his free agent picks, have been absolutely terrible. And that brings me to one last thing, and I'm, I'm just going to throw this at you mm-hmm. and see what you have to say about it. I might be off with this. I Howie's big thing this year was that big argument he had with, uh, Zach Ertz, that embarrassing right during training during training camp, yeah. Right. I will say this, and somebody somebody along the line has anointed Dallas Goddard as being this proven tremendous tight end that I've yet to, to really say. I mean, he's been okay. I don't I don't see anybody in the form of what Ertz has done for this organization over the years. And my contention is. First of all, I don't even believe Ertz is hurt. I believe they pulled him uh, because of this <laughs> squabble going on. Yeah, yeah, I could be a conspiracy. No, 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 I'll, no, I'll let you finish, Art. I, I can be a conspiracy theorist with this. Yes, Ertz has played bad this year. I, I, I truly believe he's played bad, and, he, and it's strictly because of the situation uh, he don't feel that uh, loyalty to the team anymore. Yeah. But this guy has given to this organization so much, and he was never looking for the kind of money that uh, 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 Kelsey and uh, the guy from uh, Frisco escapes my name. Hey, George Kittle. George Kittle. Kittle. He wasn't looking for that type of money. He was just looking for some kind of a, hey, you've been great, you are great. I don't think his career was ending this year as it has uh, without all that that uh, the Roseman seems to ignite yeah. it. I can't no, I, stand Roseman, and I can't stand Schwartz. I, as, I, much, as much as Wentz, and, and you're right about Peterson and Wentz, I agree with, but these guys are killing me. I, I'm sorry. I, I got you, Art. I appreciate the call. I, I, I will say I don't think this Zach Ertz thing is a conspiracy theory. I think Zach Ertz is legitimately hurt, and I'll say this. I, I mean... No, Dallas Goddard is not Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is, like, one of the best tight ends we've seen. I mean, Zach Ertz is is probably the best tight end in Eagles history when you look at the numbers. I mean, if Zach Ertz put up another two years of the statistics that he's put up throughout the course of his career, he's got a case to be in the Hall of Fame. So, Zach Ertz is a tremendous player. Um, I will say this, though. I mean, you're talking about Zach Ertz entering the back half of his career— that's one area where I, where I will defend Howie Roseman. I don't think the Eagles should have given Zach Ertz an extension. Um, and no, Dallas Goddard hasn't proven yet that he can be Zach Ertz or, or anywhere close to that. He's also in his third year. Um, but yeah, in, in that regard, um, I, I I won't crush the Eagles for not extending Ertz. I think that's actually one of the moves um, that they have done done right by, and I wouldn't be extending Zach Hurts at this point in his career either. Uh, let's go to Jeff at the airport. What's up, Jeff? Uh, What's up, Jeff? 
Listen, it's so much to to cover. Now, I just uh, talked to Moshe, and one question we need to ask Doug at the podium. We know how he was uh, when he was a quarterback. Can Doug read a defense? Because he seems like he's designing his offense without knowing how to read uh, man or zone. Should we ask Doug that at the podium? Well, I mean, if you ask Doug if he knows how to read a defense, I guarantee you he's going to be offended and he's going to say yes, Jeff. Okay, let's go ahead and disguise it. What, what, Which defenses are giving Doug, I mean, Carson, the most problems? Okay, now we get a, maybe an intelligent response. Well, I mean, and, every, and not offend them. every defense is giving Carson <laughs> problems this year. So, I mean, every defense has. I don't, I don't know if you keep up with Marcus Hayes, but he wrote an article on uh, Doug being obtuse. And I commented on if Doug is obtuse, it, Carson and Doug are tied at the hip, and Carson is obtuse, and that neither one of them are learning from their past mistakes, and and they're and they're not getting any any better. Now, we want to burn these guys, and and please hear me out. I'm not ready to give up on them yet because mathematically they're not out of it. Until they're mathematically out of it, we have to stick with them because if you have you did you realize how overwhelmed Jason. Kelsey was certain um, defensive lines. He cannot hold his ground, and he's trying to hike the ball faster now. Jason Kelsey had a bad game. Jason Kelsey had a bad game with the snaps on on Sunday. And that's part of this problem. When we evaluate these guys, we have to evaluate the whole team. Is it Doug? Yes. Is it Carson? Yes. Did Kelsey have a worse than bad day? Absolutely. He was he was trying to get the jump on these younger guys. So he's snapping the ball quicker, and just like uh, Jason Peters, he takes a step back quicker uh, to, to to maintain his ground with some of these younger guys, and that seems to be part of the problem. And and uh, again, going back to whether Doug can read the defense or not, he ran to one good play, the three wide receiver slant, where you didn't know who was going to get it. They threw it in one point five seconds, uh, I believe, to uh, Rager. Rager, yeah, it was a and third you down. Saw, you never saw down. that again. On to third and shorts, you know, he, we third and four, we want to go third and 15. It, it's it's mind-boggling, the whole system. Uh, Carson gives us 17 points, and we we want to unload on him, but 17 points can win you a Jeff, game. Jeff, and, and, yes. no, and I, I appreciate it, Jeff. Uh, I appreciate the call. This is what I mean when I talk about the bar. For Carson Wentz, I mean, really, this is you score seventeen points, and that's good enough. Seventeen points is not winning you many games in this league. It's not okay. I, if you watch enough NFL, you'll know you need to typically score at least twenty four points to miss to win most games in the NFL. But like, why? How is the bar for Carson Wentz gotten so low? And I'm not excusing Doug. I'm not excusing the D. Everybody was awful on Sunday, but. Just because Carson Wentz may not have been the primary reason the Eagles lost, that doesn't mean he had a good day. That doesn't mean the way he played is acceptable. He got outplayed by Daniel Jones, okay? He did. He got outplayed by Daniel Jones. He's been outplayed by pretty much every quarterback he's played against this year. Except Ben DiNucci. Well, actually, I mean, you could make the argument that him and DiNucci was pretty much a wash in that game. They are both terrible. Um, he outplayed Nick Mullins in the game against San Francisco, and that's about it. That that's probably the only game this season where Carson Wentz has been the better quarterback. This is the bar at this point. Is as long as he doesn't commit turnovers, as long as he's not the primary reason they lost. That that's good enough for a franchise quarterback. How about he's the reason they win? How about he makes plays when your team needs a play? Carson Wentz doesn't make plays to, to, to win you games. He doesn't. There's more, there's, uh, I feel, way more, it's way more likely throughout the course of a game, Carson Wentz will make a play that will cost you a football game than he'll make a play to win you a football game. And that, 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 that's the facts of the matter. And you can look at, at all these plays during the game. I mean, again, more high throws. Is it all his fault? No, you got to say that because uh, if you, if you are the least bit critical, the Carson people freak out. You know, he can't come after. He wasn't the main reason they lost. There are other things that went wrong. Yeah, I know. Um, but the bar for Carson Wentz needs to be higher. And he needs to clear that bar. And if you're okay 
with him being outplayed by Daniel Jones, significantly outplayed by Daniel Jones, then we view the franchise quarterback and what you expect from that guy uh, a lot differently. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. Chris, you'll be first right after the break. And then I, I want to get to some sound from Wentz after the game. And to some more sound from Doug Peterson. Also, a nugget from NFL Network's Mike Silver, uh, who gave his take on the Carson Wentz situation. And some of the things uh, within the Novacare complex, uh, some of the concerns that they have about Carson. So we'll get to that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. So last caller had said, the Eagles, you know, 17 points. Jeff said 17 points should be enough to win you a game. Mosh, you did some research during the break here. Uh, What was the the stat you came up with in regards to whether 17 points should be good enough to win you a football game in the NFL? Yeah, so taking that and the scores, the amount of points that every other team has put up so far this week, the Eagles would have gone 6-16-2 against all those other teams. That includes the Seahawks stunningly only putting up 16 points, which they're going to put up more than against, uh, than the Eagle, against the Eagles than right. that. And uh, a surprising 10-7 to game in between Cleveland and Houston. So 6-16-2, right. six, 17 points doesn't win you anything in today's NFL. No, no. And, you know, 17 points isn't winning you in many games in the NFL. It, it, it's clearly not. And Eagles offense needs to be a lot better than they were on Sunday. Uh, let's go to Chris. Uh, what's going on, Chris? Hey, what's going on, man? How's I appreciate going? you taking my call. Thanks sure. a lot. Yep. So... Like I, I kind of just want to get into the the Doug Peterson play calling, but before I do that, um, I'm just hearing a lot of this Carson Wentz talk. And listen, at the beginning of the year, I came into this season just really high on Carson Wentz, thinking he's going to have this great season. Maybe not even great, just good enough. And I like I was such a huge Wentz fan, Wentz wagon guy, and I'm just totally let down. And I don't want to say like that I'm totally off the wagon, but like it's just it's unacceptable. I, I, like you, I hear people saying that Carson Wentz didn't have a terrible game today, but that's like that's just part of it. Like you're not playing well enough to win. Right. Seventeen points is not enough to win in the National Football League in 2020. Right, it's just not. Yeah, Chris, and and that's been my whole thing. Is like this is really the expectation now is it's acceptable if he just doesn't play awful. Like like that's what we're willing to accept at this point. Absolutely, uh, exactly. See that, like what, like what I said. I came into the season just super high on Carson Wentz, and you know, like I can't. It's just it's impossible to be high on this point. And like I'm sorry if I'm going off on a little tangent, but it's, like, this is the first time I've been able to talk since I left work, and it's just been eating me up all night. And on to Doug Peterson's play calling. Like I'm so sick and tired of this lackadaisical play calling. This this super aggressive attitude that he homes to be his identity, but it just, it, it's just not working. It's not working. Like I can think of just three plays on the top of my head, which in my opinion, are just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, going for fourth and 10 when you're inside there, inside the giants territory, just kick the field goal and you're down by one score. It's just, and then just, and even before that going for the two point conversion, when you're down four points, just kick the field goal and you're uh, just kick the extra point and you're down a field goal. I, I'm just so sick and tired of this play calling. Now, Chris, not, uh, now I, have, I just have a question for you because I, I honestly forget what was the score when they went for that fourth and ten. Do you remember by chance? I, not, I can't remember exactly. I think they were down by four. I think it was before they got their last. They were down. down. I think they were down by four points. I could be mistaken, okay. but it's my point is just like. These these play this play calling is just absolutely it's just it, you're not tailoring your offense to the players that you have. Like yes, Carson Wentz has been inc- like super underperforming this season, but even even that, you just try to tailor the offense to his strengths. And just the going for it on fourth and ten that killed me watching it. I like I, I didn't get to see much of the much of the game live because I was working, but I saw that play. I was just sick to my stomach watching the field, watching the offense stay out on the field. No, I'm with you, Chris. Uh, Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. Thank Uh, you. Yep, take it easy. I appreciate the passion there. And, yeah, and – 
Doug talked about that. Now, I got it up in front of me now. That fourth and ten was with, um, I don't know the exact time. It was about, I think, midway. It's about five minutes remaining in the game. Uh, when the Eagles are down 24-17, they go for a fourth and ten at the Giants' 36-yard line. Now, it would have been a 53-54 yard kick, which, I mean, I guess you don't necessarily trust Jake Elliott this year, but he made a kick earlier in the game, and Doug had, uh, you know, he's tried longer kicks with Jake Elliott this year. So, um, the interesting part of that, though, is 24-17, a lot of the reason you're not kicking a field goal there is because you're still down four points. So interesting, because if you had kicked the extra point when you went for two, that field goal would have made it a three-point game, and you would have been much more incentivized to kick the field goal there. So going for the fourth and ten in that spot, I don't necessarily disagree with because you still need a touchdown regardless, but it goes back to you should just kick the extra point the first time to make it a a 21-18 game, which I still don't get. But um, I have a cut of Doug talking about that 4th and 10 play. And they ask him about the decision to go for it. And then the play call, which was a throw to Jalen Rager on the outside against James Bradbury, who is the Giants' best corner. And listen to Doug here, because I want to know if people read it the same way. I'm reading it as Doug wasn't too happy with the decision-making of his quarterback here. Here's Doug Peterson on that 4th and 10. A decision not to kick it, obviously, uh, a little bit too far. Lengthy kick uh, into the wind. It would have you know, would have been a long one there. But on the uh, the play, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously part of the progression. Um, and, uh, you know, thought we had an opportunity there you know to make a play you know I just gotta look at the tape and see because it's it is part of the part of the progression but um it's just it's also based on uh you know uh, the decision of the quarterback to go there too so I just gotta look at the film and and uh and, and take a look well I'm interested and and I wonder if if Doug will be asked about that comment today when he comes on because the way I read that is he didn't think the play and you know I guess Doug did is a little defensive about his play calls, but he, uh, most, did you read that one the same way that he seemed a little annoyed about Carson Wentz's decision-making on that play to go to Rager against Bradbury. It sounded to me like Doug thought there was a better option and another place. The football should have gone. Yeah. For the first time that I can remember in Doug's tenure, it felt like he was throwing his quarterback under the bus. Yeah. As soon as I heard it, that was my reaction. Yeah. That was what I thought as well. So it'll be interesting to see Doug address that. Um, but, you know, they asked him about the play call, and he didn't say it was a bad play call. Um, and uh, you assume he probably wouldn't necessarily do that. He always says he's got to check the tape. But he didn't need to check the tape to say that, you know, the quarterback made a decision uh, that maybe he shouldn't have made. Like, it sounded to me at least that Doug thought there were better options on that play and other places Carson Wentz could have gone with the ball. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, we have our Week 10 recap coming up at the top of the hour where we go around the league, check in on some of the other games. Obviously talking a lot of Eagles-Giants tonight. Um, but when we get back, I want to play you the sound from Carson Wentz after the game. Uh, Doug's evaluation of Carson's performance, and also an interesting uh, tidbit from Mike Silver of NFL Network. Uh, we'll get to that next. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham. I still can't get over Doug going for two, down four. It just it doesn't make any sense. I... I I guess I don't know if there are. I guess there are analytics that indicate that's the right play. I, I don't. I mean, I I can't work it out in my mind. Maybe I'm just too dumb. I, I don't know. But um, you know, even if you get the two, which Doug, I guess his argument is, you get it to a two point game, then it increases your chance to win instead of tie. Then you can kick a field goal, go in front. But the way your defense is playing. You really thought that they were just going to shut the Giants down the rest of the game? Like, really? Uh, the last time he scored a touchdown, the defense let New York go down the field uh, in like three minutes and push that lead back to 10. So, 
I didn't get that. Uh, Doug, I, I'm fine with being aggressive. I'm fine with using analytics. I think in, in a lot of ways they can be useful, but that was that was ridiculous. And and um, it doesn't make any sense to ever go for two in that spot, down four, uh, uh, <laughs> with five minutes left in the third quarter. Uh, I just. Didn't get it at all. Um, in a minute, I want to play you some sound from Carson Wentz um, and Doug Peterson. First, let's go to Eric in Philadelphia. What's up? What's up, Eric? Uh, let me start by saying it's because I've been like listening to you all night long, and I haven't really said too much to people. This is my thing. You're looking at a bad football team. For the last two weeks, that's what you got, a bad football team. The offensive line and the defensive line is atrocious. The defensive line can't stop nobody, and the offensive line can't block for anybody. That's what you have. And when you look at this team, I don't care who you got back. You had Tom Brady back there. It wouldn't matter. If you can't block nobody, it don't matter. The defensive line of the Giants was getting in the backfield every time when Carson Wentz was hiking the ball. It was a couple of times when the center was, was, was hiking the ball, and the ball was hitting the ground. Yeah, Even I mean, when they changed quarterback. No, Kelsey had Kelsey Kelsey had a bad game snapping the ball. No, Eric, no, but, no, 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 no. It ain't no bad game. If you if you watch the game real closely, the defensive nose tackle was beating him every which way you can turn around. So, Eric, I'm you not, were you were satisfied with Carson Wentz's play on Sunday. You were satisfied no, with no, his no, with I'm his play. Talking, no, no, no. It doesn't matter who you got back there. You can have Tom Brady back there. If, if your offensive line is not blocking for you, it wouldn't matter. It don't matter. Yeah, they know they That's had my point. They had breakdowns in the offensive line. The offensive line <laughs> did not have a good game protecting Carson Wentz. But you, I mean, Eric, did Carson Wentz miss a number of passes he should have hit? Did he? Chris Billman, Chris Billman, who started when the game first started out, they said Carson Wentz was sacked thirty-five times this year. Yeah, if you, I, if you listen to what he was saying, yeah, sacked thirty-five times. Okay, he leads the league in being hit and being sacked. Like I just said, it doesn't matter if you have Tom Brady back there. If, if, I, if, 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 if your offensive line is not blocking for you, if your defensive line can't stop nobody. And none of that's on Carson holding the ball too long, Eric. None of it. It's all on the offense. All, all on other defense, people, right? What about the defense? Yeah, no, the defense was bad. What about the defense? The defense. Okay. I've talked about the defense all night. Defense was terrible. They were awful. Okay, okay. okay. What about Jim Schwartz? Okay. Yeah, Jim Schwartz. Nobody said anything about that. Okay. J- Jason, Ga- Jason Garrett coached the pants off him. Yeah. Okay. And you know, my whole point, what you've been looking at for the last two weeks, is a bad football team. You got to learn how to accept it. They're not going to win these next five games. You can sit on radio and complain all you want. What you see is a bad football team. This team, team is not going anywhere this year. It, but, 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 you know, I watched this today. I watched Ray Dinniger after the game. He pointed this out. They're not going to win the next five games. No, Eric, I believe him and Seth. They're not going to win the next five games. Eric, I, I appreciate the call. I, I don't know what what you've been hearing. This is exactly what I've been saying all night. I've been saying they're a bad football team. I've been saying the defense was awful. I've been saying the offensive line didn't play well. My point when it comes to the quarterback who shares in that blame. And, you know, people like Eric, and there are a lot of people out there that... that you know, they they want to be very delicate with Carson. You know, you don't want to hurt his feelings. You don't want to you don't want to be too critical of him. So if anybody else does anything wrong, we can't blame Carson. He wasn't the main reason they lost this game. So you can't put any criticism on him. Okay, I have a higher expectation than that. I expect Carson Wentz to outplay Daniel Jones. Okay, that that is the expectation that I have for my franchise quarterback. I think Carson Wentz should be able to outplay Daniel Jones in a big game that the Eagles need to win. The Giants' defense is worse than the Eagles' defense is. Daniel Jones moved the ball up and down the field. Carson Wentz couldn't make a play all day. You know, was it all on him that they lost? No. And I have said that repeatedly all night long. But if you refuse to see that the quarterback play is a massive issue and one that is not getting any better, then you're just in denial. And that is why Carson should not be safe. Doug should not be safe. Howie should not be safe. Nobody in this organization should be comfortable with their position right now. 
So it's not just blaming Carson Wentz for everything, but if you want to absolve him of all blame, um, I, I don't really see uh, that argument. He was he was bad again on Sunday. Was he awful? Was it the worst I've ever seen a quarterback play? No, but what did he do to help you win that game? What big play did he make to turn the momentum of that game? He didn't. He couldn't make a play. And it's been the story of the season. 215-592-9494. And I want to play some sound here. First from Carson Wentz, then from Doug. And then I want to get to a a cut from Mike Silver here from NFL Network. Um, But Carson Wentz was asked after the game uh, about the Eagles' issues on third down. By the way, they were 0 for 9 on third down in this game. Uh, That's not very good. Uh, going 0 for 9, especially against a bad defense. Here was Carson Wentz on uh, the third down issues. Yeah, um, I got to watch the tape, honestly. You know, I didn't realize we were – I knew we struggled on third down. I didn't realize we were that poor. Um, anytime you're 0 for 9, obviously you're not doing something very well. Um, and hats off to them. You know, they had a good game plan. Um, that's a good defense over there. They made it hard on us. But uh, we definitely made it tougher on ourselves, left some plays out there, uh, didn't execute enough. And – um, yeah, 0 for 9 on third down is extremely frustrating, and I think that's something we pride ourselves on is staying on the field on third down, and we didn't do it today. First of all, it's not a good defense. And second of all, I'm kind of tired of Carson Wentz tipping his cap uh, to the opposing team for making plays every week. How about you make a play yourself to counteract the plays the defense are making? Uh, it's not always the defense makes a play. Like Carson Wentz said the same thing last week on a terrible throw into double coverage in the end zone against Dallas. And he said the defender made a play. No, you made a bad throw. They didn't make any kind of superhuman play. You threw into double coverage. Uh, here's more from Carson talking about why the offense was so inconsistent. Yeah, it, it's hard to put your finger on one thing as to why we were kind of inconsistent offensively. I, I think, you know, we, we did some decent things um, at, at times throughout the game, and, and we struggled. I mean, for one, we didn't stay on the field. Um, we just talked about 0 for 9 on third down makes it tough. Um, but – but like I said earlier, you got to credit that defense. They definitely disguised a lot of looks and, and brought all sorts of different pressures and made it tough on us. And um, they played a great game, and, and we, you know, we didn't we didn't do enough to win. Again, that's not a good Giants defense. Carson Wentz could say that all he wants; it, it doesn't make it true. Um, here's one more from Carson Wentz uh, talking about that Giants defense again. Obviously, we are surprised. We don't we don't go into a game thinking you know we're gonna you know, struggle like that and go for nine on third downs and only put up a couple points. But, um, you know, I got to give a lot of credit to that defense. Um, you know, I thought we had a good game plan ready to go, but, um, I've been saying it all week. That's a good defense. And we had to come out and really execute at a high level. And I think we did that at times, but we didn't do it well enough. Uh, we didn't sustain enough drives and, and we left some plays out there, but, but they made a lot more plays than us and we didn't deserve to win. I mean, he, he's, he's like a robot with these comments every week. That's a good defense. You got to tip your cap to them. Take your hats off to hats off to them. They played a good game. How about you show some emotion? Like, how about you you show that you're frustrated that your offense isn't doing anything week after week after week? Um, here's Carson talking about the Eagles uh, and their mindset now going into Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, it, it is frustrating. You know, we're not where we want to be, and and. I know personally I hate losing and it frustrates me and um, you know I go back and look at the tape just as hard as anybody and and you know go through with a you know fine tooth fine tooth fine tooth comb and uh, really see where can I get better um, and then as a team we all do the same thing so it is frustrating to to be where we're at but at the same time we got no choice you know we got no choice but to bounce back uh, we got another f- good football team ahead of us next week and um, you know we're gonna learn from this one we're frustrated we're gonna learn from it and we're gonna come out and attack next week. Well, don't be worried. Carson's going to go through it with a fine-tooth comb, he says. So uh, that, that, that should be reassuring to everybody. But, I mean, I, I, is it too much to ask for a little bit of emotion? Like, And I'm not asking Carson Wentz to go over and you know flip over the podium. And, well, I guess there's not really a podium now uh, because of the Zoom conference. But I'm not expecting him to like punch the monitor or something like that. Uh, but... You know, he says they're frustrated. He says the same thing every week. Same thing every week is uh, they, they did a good job. That's a good defense. I'd like to see a little emotion. I'd like to see a little sign that you are actually frustrated and bothered with the way this season is going. Because you've had a terrible season and your team has had a terrible season. And 
you know, there is clearly a disconnect right now with Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson. And we talked a lot about Frank Reich and John Filippo over the years. And it's clear that this thing without, uh, I think especially Reich, it's just not working. And you had the Brett Favre stuff last week that I'm sure will be talked about again because um, the partnership with Doug and Carson, it, it's just it's just not working. And I think you could kind of hear it in Doug's voice after the game. Here was Doug giving his assessment of how Carson Wentz played. I, I thought he I thought he played I thought he played played okay played good. I mean there there's you know obviously there were some throws that that you know we'd like to we'd like to get back from the standpoint of just accuracy. Uh, he managed the game and the run game really well. Put us in some really good situations. Uh, hung tough. Um, you know did did what uh, what he's capable of doing. We just have to you know continue to work with with him. We got to continue to work with our our young skill guys to to get to get on the same page. Now. He can say that that Carson played well. It kind of took him a while to kind of it sound pretty forced that he forced that out. That he played good. He played well. Um, you can hear it in Doug's voice. He, that's that's not what he believes. That's not what he really thinks. Um, and I, I brought it up a few weeks ago when Carson was struggling after the Cincinnati game, I believe. And I, I think it's really coming to a head that the Eagles are going to either have to get rid of both. Or get rid of one and decide which one they're going to keep. Because the Doug and Carson thing, it's just not working. It's not working. And it, it hasn't worked. Since Frank Reich left, that partnership has not worked. Carson Wentz has been, with the exception of one month at the end of last season, against subpar competition, he has been a below-average quarterback. And there's really no other argument. He was 6-7 and seven as a starter in 2018. Five and seven last year before the Eagles went on that run with two games against the Giants, one against the Cowboys, and one against Washington last December. He's been a low average quarterback. Now, whether that's more on him, whether that's more on Doug, who knows? But the partnership isn't working. And, you know, I was watching the coverage before I came on from NFL Network, and Mike Silver, who is, you know, a national NFL reporter, um, gave his information that he has gotten as far as Carson Wentz and his future in Philadelphia. Here is Mike Silver on the situation right now with Carson Wentz. Well, Chris, Carson Wentz this season is a far cry from the guy who was tearing it up in the first part of 2017. Um, You know, there's some sloppy practice habits that he's been allowed to perpetuate that have carried over, not checking the ball down or knowing when to give up on a play, forcing the ball to predetermined receivers, and maybe overestimating his once elite athleticism. And look, they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. That was clearly a signal that they are not necessarily standing pat at that position. So I think organizationally they would like to continue to build this around Carson Wentz. But I think if this uh, downward spirals that – there's a sense that it could all be blown up. Now, that's pretty interesting um, on a, a couple of different fronts. Uh, you know, all that's true, and, and I've said that's why they drafted um, Jalen Hurts. But what Mike Silver says at the beginning about sloppy practice habits, he's getting that from somewhere. He's getting that from someone in the organization. Now, uh, you know, I don't know if that is... Um, you know, I'm not saying it's Doug. It's probably not Doug, but, you know, he's getting that from somewhere. And uh, that could be somebody in the organization, you know, setting the stage for the Eagles moving on from Carson Wentz. But I found that to be interesting because we hadn't really heard that before. At least I hadn't heard that before about Carson Wentz having bad practice habits. Um, but uh, maybe that's that's been a factor. And uh, the Carson Wentz-Doug Peterson dynamic just is not working. It's not, and um, I have trouble believing that they can kind of recapture that magic as a combination. Let's get Chris in New York in here. What's up, Chris? Hey, Tom. Great job, man. Thanks. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm here in the city, um, and it sounds like you guys are, you know, having a tough time and, you know, hearing lots of gloom and doom, but so I'll let you know, um, you know, I'm having a great time tonight. Are you a Giants fan, Chris? Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm there you go. I'm enjoying some leftover birthday cake. It's been a great night. I just want to remind you guys that the Flyers haven't won in 
45 years. Well, and, I mean, enjoy, enjoy that three and seven record, Chris. I mean, yeah, this is like the, this I mean, is like the saddest trash you. talk we can oh, ever hold have. Hold on a second. I just want to remind you that in 2009, the Phillies did go to the World Series. They lost to the yeah, no, New I, York I, I, I just needed to remind yeah, you. I that. remember, Chris. Thanks. You, but, How are those Knicks doing? I mean, uh, great. You want to call up and trash talk about a three and seven football team? Like, I, tr- I tried trash talking with Adrian last night. It's just no fun. Like you can't you can't trash talk about this division. What am I going to say? Uh, and Giants fans aren't shouldn't don't have any high ground either. It's 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 terrible. And honestly, who cares who wins the division at this point? You're going to get in. You're going to get throttled by Brady and the Bucks in the first round, and that's going to be it. So great, the Giants are in the mix. Uh, it's going to be probably either the Giants or the Eagles, and whoever wins, uh, congratulations. You're going to go into the playoffs. You're going to get beat by two touchdowns. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. It, get in. I see Mad Mike there. We'll talk to Mike when we get back, and Mosh and I will do our NFL Week 10 recap. That's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for one more segment here. Uh, next segment, we'll uh, do the overlap show, talk to Al, get his thoughts on the game. Um if you want to get in time for uh, another quick call or two, 215-592-9494. Got our Week 10 recap coming up in moments here. First, let's talk to Mad Mike in King of Prussia. What's up, Mike? Hey, how you doing? What's up, man? So, I'm an Eagles fan. Before I get started, because it's going to sound like I'm not, but I'm an Eagles fan. I'm a diehard Eagles fan, but I'm glad they lost this game. I'm, I'm really glad they lost this game because I'm tired of this idea that, like, we're about to turn some corner and we're going to go on some run and we're really going to do something if we get in the playoffs. I'm so sick of hearing that. This team is fundamentally flawed. We have problems all throughout the organization. Our GM stinks. Our coach can't is a vanilla play caller and our, you know, LTBB Bronco nonsense like quarterback who's been in the league for 5 years is below 60% passing and He's shown no growth, Mikey. I mean, you can't. You can't. You can't wait to talk to Ike later today. Can oh, you? I'm gonna make <laughs> a new one. Like I'm. I'm so tired of it. It's just I want this team gutted. I want this team to like look itself in the mirror. I want the people to understand that they've put a subpar product out there. And yeah, we've made it into the playoffs accidentally or like by luck, and just because the NFC East is no good, and that's not success that's just dumb luck at this point and i'm tired of it i want everything turned around i want howie roseman out i want you know a quarterback that's willing to work on his his game and like actually improve because you can't tell me that he wasn't relying on his physical skills and thinks he knows everything at this point and just doesn't listen to anybody i'm just tired of it yeah, Mike, it's frustrating and and you know you're right top down whether it's howie Doug, Carson Wentz, it's been a complete failure this year, and it's all been exposed. And you look at the last couple of years, like you said, last year they snuck in because the division was so bad. The year before, they snuck in because Minnesota imploded at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they haven't really made the postseason because they've been a good team either the last two seasons. Yeah, and let me tell you this. I'm, I think the, the team is willing to get rid of Carson and stick with Doug because and and this is my opinion. Doug was brought in because Doug is a, I'm just happy to have a job kind of coach, and I'm not going to rock the boat. And he's the complete opposite of Chip Kelly. And all Laurie cares about is having the team and being the one in control. And that that's all he cares about. Yeah, I hear you, Mike. I appreciate it, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the call. And the Doug thing's interesting. I want to we'll dive into that more tomorrow because I, I talk about the disconnect between Doug and Carson. I also think there's possibly a disconnect between Doug and the front office. and Because the Mike Groh thing still sticks in my head. What happened last year after that Seattle game. Where Doug was so definitive that Mike Groh was going to be back. And I don't know what happened. Whether that came from the front office. Whether that came from Carson Wentz. And, you know, maybe Carson Wentz wanted Mike Groh gone. But somebody overrode Doug on that decision. And, um, you know, I'm not shedding tears for Mike Groh, uh, but I'll say this. Mike Groh is a offensive coordinator, passing game coordinator, whatever you want to call it. Better than Press Taylor. 
So um, I want to dive into that Mike Rowe thing more tomorrow because uh, I, I think that is the basis for, for some of the things that have gone wrong here. So without further ado, uh, let's close out the show with our Week 10 NFL recap here. Um, we'll start in Cleveland uh, with the uh, opponent the Eagles have next week, Cleveland Browns. The Browns win. Uh, I mean, it looks like a pretty hideous game. I didn't see much of it at 1 o'clock. I was watching a lot of Eagles, and when I wasn't watching the Eagles, I was actually flipping on the Masters instead of Red Zone. Um, so the Browns win this game 10-7. Nick Chubb, in his uh, first game back off injury, 19 carries, 126 yards, and the Browns' defense, Mosh, uh, they're, uh, they're, they're a pretty form- formidable unit. Um, the Eagles are going to have uh, – Trouble scoring points next week in Cleveland, you, you'd assume. Yeah, I mean, Miles Garrett, that should scare any quarterback, especially when you have an old Jason Peters lining up on your blind side. Yeah, uh, yeah, that matchup I'm not looking forward to next week. Um, but Deshaun Watson, only 163 yards passing in this game. So the Browns win that one. They move to 6-3. and three. Texans, 2-7. and seven. And I'll say this, if the Eagles want any chance to get this season back on track, they better win that game. Because the four after that one are absolutely brutal. Uh, next, we'll go to Detroit, where the Lions hang on to beat Washington 30-27. to I was really confused because I think the Lions were up 24-3. to I thought the game was over. Then next thing I know, it's 27-all, and Prater is kicking like a 55-yard field goal to win it. It does go through. Lions win. They are now 4-6. and Washington falls to 2-7. and Motion this game, Alex Smith... 55 passing attempts. That's pretty insane number for Alex Smith. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> especially in his first start since, is it 2018? At some point in 2018 when he had that gruesome injury. Right. But, I mean, what a comeback story that he's even playing in the NFL today. It is. I don't understand why they wouldn't just play Haskins and see what they have. I, I know Rivera didn't draft him, but I don't see much upside to playing Alex Smith. I guess they're hoping to win the division. Hey, maybe they could. Who knows? You know, I I hadn't even thought about it because Haskins is so bad, but you make a fair point. Is it they're trying to win the division, or is he just that bad? I think they don't like They suspended him for something earlier this year. I think he broke COVID protocols. I think they just don't like him, but um, I I, I think it's probably best for them to play him. Uh, However, we go to Green Bay next. Packers hang on to beat the Jags 24-20 late. I had a weird feeling about this game. It was a big 13.5-point line. Um, I was too scared to go near it. Packers do hang on, though. They're now 7-2. Jags fall to 1-8 on the year. Is James Robinson the offensive rookie of the year? Like, There's some great wide receivers that are rookies out there, but I mean, the this kid is incredible, undrafted, and he's really good. Yeah, he's having a good year, and the the, the Packers kind of slept walk through this one, uh, but able to get the win. Next up, we go to Carolina. Bucks bounce back after their bad loss to New Orleans the week before. They beat up on the Panthers, forty six twenty three. They're now seven and three. Um, Panthers now three and seven. They're they're better than that record shows. And uh, Teddy Bridgewater got hurt late in the game, so we might be seeing Temple Zone. PJ Walker. Or, sorry, Philip Walker. Right. Uh, he was PJ when he was at uh, for his first couple years at Temple, though. Now I didn't see more on that. Moshe, is that looking like it's a serious injury for Bridgewater? You'd hope not. The last that I saw was that they were waiting on MRI results. So that's all I know. Okay. After he came back from that gruesome injury, you, you'd hope that he's all right. Yeah. It was. It was the other knee that he hurt. Not the one that kind of like, I I was reading about it and they said it's not the one that exploded when he was in Minnesota. Right. And that, in a weird way, Teddy Bridgewater, that injury, um, you know, uh, necessitated the trade for uh, Bradford and and Wentz to step in. So how things have changed over five years. Uh, Next up, we go to Vegas. Raiders beat the Broncos 37 to 12. Raiders now five and three. Broncos three and six. Or six and three, Raiders six and three. Uh, John Gruden's got that team playing some pretty good football this year. Yeah, when they're not, uh, you know, breaking COVID protocols, right. and, and losing draft picks for it. But that offense is so weird because, like, Nelson Aguilar is playing well for them. Henry Ruggs isn't doing much, but I, I heard Aguilar got Josh had a, Jacobs and Darren Waller. I heard Aguilar had a bad drop in this game, though. 
uh, people were making about a, right. Yeah, he's I, I having heard. only in his like six years in the pros. This is the second season he's ever played even half decent. Right. Um, next up, we go to Miami. Dolphins beat the Chargers 29-21 in the Tua versus Herbert uh, Bowl. Dolphins now six and three. Chargers two and seven. Um, Tua, you know, uh, plays well enough to win. This Dolphins, they're going to the playoffs. Dolphins are going to the playoffs. And I wouldn't want to face them. With no. That defense. And Brian Flores is coach of the year, in my opinion. And even if, even if I mean, look, if the Steelers go 16-0, and you got to give it to Mike Tomlin. But assuming that they lose a couple, it's Brian Flores. Yeah. And they might win the division at this point. Next up, we go to Arizona. I mentioned this earlier. Uh, Cardinals win 32-30. They're now 6-3. and three. Uh, They're going to the playoffs as well. Uh, the Bills 7-3. and three. Now, this is a bad beat to uh, end all bad beats. And it was my play of the day was Arizona minus 2.5. Thankfully, I felt like I wanted a stress-free day of watching football other than the Eagles, so I didn't bet on anything. But... Cardinals down 30-26. Kyler Murray throws a Hail Mary to DeAndre Hopkins. Catches it. Cardinals go up two. But in a crushing move, instead of kicking the extra point, they take a knee on the two-point conversion. Makes sense because if it gets blocked, Bills run it back. As unlikely as that is, they could tie it up, take it to overtime. But for people who had the Cardinals minus two and a half, the roller coaster of emotions, thinking that you have it won, and then them not kicking the extra point had to be brutal. And, I mean, the whole game was incredible. Possibly game of the season so far, but DeAndre Hopkins just continues to prove that any NFL fan would have been a better general manager for the Texans than Bill O'Brien. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and speaking of game of the year, Cardinal Seahawks was great a couple weeks ago. They play again Thursday night. So, Oh, that's uh, right, uh, on the short week. Yeah. Russell's coming off a terrible game. Right. And we'll go to that one next. Um, Seahawks go to L.A. This is another game I liked, um, which was the Rams giving up two and a half at home. McVay coming off a bye, going up against Seattle. Um, and the Rams win this one, 23-16. They are now 6-3, and three, as are the Seattle Seahawks. So that division um, really crowded the top. Three teams at 6-3. and three with Arizona, the Rams, and the Seahawks. A big win for the Rams in that one. They needed that. Yeah, it's a huge win. That defense is really starting to click. and just, uh, I'm happy with Darius Slay, but you kind of got to think, would it have been worth it for the Eagles to trade for Jalen Ramsey instead? Because he is fantastic. He got a massive cut. Con- that contract he got was huge. That, that's true. That That yeah. is worth thinking about. I'm just picturing him playing, and he's covering tight ends. He's doing everything. Yeah. So next up, we go to New Orleans. Uh, Saints beat the Niners 27-13. They were down 10-0 in this game. Drew Brees left for a period of time, which means we got some Jameis. Uh, and Jameis went 6-10, no picks, no INTs. Everybody was hoping for a pick six. Jameis, Jameis, is, Jameis is one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL. I, lo- I miss watching Jameis Winston every week. He'll always make me laugh when I see him eating a W, and I, I don't oh. truly understand what's going on. He's the best. He's so entertaining. But uh, if I'm the Saints, I'm a little concerned that Michael Thomas has yet to have more than, what is it, like 60 yards in a game? In his, he's only played three times. Right. But, like, what's going on with one of the top three wide receivers in the NFL? Yeah, I, I think he'll bounce back. I think he's working his way back. But a big win for the Saints there. They're now 7-2. and two. While the uh, Niners now four and six, uh, we go to Pittsburgh, where the Steelers beat up on the Bengals thirty-six to ten. I thought this game was going to be closer, uh, but the Steelers win it. They're now nine and zero. Bengals two six and one. Um, so the Steelers remain undefeated. And to close out the night in New England, which the end of this game was crazy. The amount of rain, I, I, it, you could barely even see the TV screen. Um, it's, see the action through the TV screen. It was just incredible. And everybody's making the jokes about Bill Belichick controlling the weather somehow because it was fine. The Ravens get the ball back for their final possession. It rains as hard as you could ever see it rain. And apparently right after the game, it just stopped. Kind of, I guess it was they had the same weather there that we had here. Right. But- I don't remember if it was last weekend or the week before that you and I were working together and we were talking about how Lamar's just not a good passer. 
Right. When you put a bad passer in a rainy game, you're not going to win. It's that simple. Right. Not that Cam is much better. Exactly. So the Patriots get the win 23-17, keep their season alive. I mean, they're 4 and 5. Uh, Ravens six and three. Uh, so that's the week ten recap in the NFL. Pretty good day of action. Um, and tonight's game, Monday night, we have the Vikings at the Bears. Vikings uh, three point favorites in this one. Uh, so we'll see how that one pans out uh, later on the night. Uh, that'll do it for the show. I'll be back on tomorrow. Um, we'll obviously continue talking Eagles, NBA free agency, uh, just days away. I'm sure there'll be more rumors, James Harden rumors out there now, um, him potentially, uh, being dealt to the nets, which nobody wants to see him, KD and Kyrie Irving all being together would, uh, be, uh, pretty impossible for anybody to beat. But what it tells me is James Harden's probably getting traded. And if that's the case, uh, the Sixers could be at the top of the line if they're willing to part with Ben Simmons. So I'm sure we'll talk about that uh, tomorrow. Uh, next up, we will talk to Al for the Overlap Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.